Hi, and welcome back to Real Estate Keeping It Simple. I'm your host, Ray Dove with REMAX Eastside Brokers, Inc. here in Bellevue, Washington. Hope everyone's having a great week. I thought I'd chat just briefly, or maybe a little bit longer than briefly, on some recent updates. I get updates on a weekly basis from a few lenders that I try to work with. I've got Marilyn from Caliber. She sent me a story, and I'd like to read this to you regarding homeowners and renters get forbearance and moratorium extensions through 2021 and possibly beyond. So the article goes on to say, with each extension article I read, I can't help but hear the magical 80s one-hit wonder, the never-ending story. Now you have it stuck in your head too, right? With an estimated 8 to 10 million Americans currently falling into the no-rent payment, no-mortgage payment category, the overwhelming flood of evictions and foreclosures will surely wreak havoc across the country. But is there a strong enough barrier to mitigate the damage? The question is asked. Many forbearance plans and moratoriums are set to expire between June and September 2021. And additional measures are being put into place to further extend protection to renters and homeowners in the attempt to push pause on foreclosures and evictions. The evictions could be a challenge for landlords if they're not getting the rents paid, right? That could be a huge challenge if you own investment properties. The article goes on to say, rumor has it that the, this extension plan could carry through for the rest of 2021 and beyond. So what happens to all the foreclosure inventory that will hit the market once these protective measures are removed? Well, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, CFPB, is already working on proposals to offer options such as immediate loan modifications after a forbearance exit and possibly extending mortgage terms out to 40-year terms, which may help some homeowners and landlords, certain renters too. Since the odds of this happening are high, the likelihood we will see a wave of inventory hit the market in the near future is looking pretty slim. Bottom line, when you hear I'm going to wait a few months for all the forbearance or foreclosures to hit the, the market before I buy, make sure you at least pause because those months could turn into years. And who knows what the rates will be two to three years from now. Also in her newsletter, sorry for the noise of me flipping the paper, mortgage rates dropped April 8th. 2021, after moving up for seven consecutive weeks, mortgage rates are dropped due to the recent modest decline of U.S. Treasury yields. As the economy recovers, it should experience a strong rebound in the labor market. Combined, these positive signals will continue to bolster purchase demand. The drop in rates creates yet another opportunity for those who have not refinanced to take a look at that possibility. Here's a interesting thing regarding credit I thought I might share with you folks too. Those of you that are looking to try to keep your credit very good or repair it if you have some challenges or blemishes on your credit. It's a little story. A young girl from Sicily comes to America in search of home ownership. She has a good time in her 20s and spends her 30s cleaning up her not so good credit. She pays off her debt but just can't get enough allowances to boost her scores over a 660. Of course, a really good credit score is 700 than 800. If she can make it to 700, she'll be able to get a better rate and afford an even better home, but doesn't know how to make this happen. Then she discovers she can add her perfect two-year rental history to her credit report, get a bump in her score, and finally make the American dream of home ownership come true. So consider that in mind when you talk to a lender and ask them how much being current on your rent payments for the last two years will count towards helping you with 
boosting your credit score. I also subscribe to a few articles of people that are on the inside of the real estate industry. And uh, it's called Inman. And it's mostly sent out to lenders and to uh, invest, investors and real estate agents. One of the articles this week says, Inventory Insanity. What's it like being a home buyer when there are no homes to buy? So I'll read you a couple of stories here. Kind of maybe they'll resonate with you. This one lady knew buying a home would be tough. She just didn't know it'd be this tough. She is one of millions of Americans who have decided to buy a home recently and who subsequently crashed headfirst into a market with historically low inventory. The situation has left real estate agents across the country exhausted and overworked as they spent months taking clients to showings that translate into failed offers. And it is worried economists who see problems with housing affordability getting worse and worse. But at the most fundamental level, the inventory shortage is a problem for first, first for consumers. They're the ones putting up more and more money for houses whose appreciation seems unstoppable. So this lady was trying to buy a home in the Bay Area. And sadly, her, like so many other people, continued to lose one bidding war after another. And you and like her are the ones who can't get into the housing they need. So her story is that she began searching for a home in February. Though she had been, in her own words, haunting Zillow for long before that, which I'm sure a lot of people do. You get on your favorite home website and you look and you look and look. Her budget topped out in the high $400,000 range. That while she would have liked to save for a few more years, she ultimately decided to move forward because the interest rates are so low. She said the first home she zeroed in on was listed for about $460,000. She knew she'd have to offer more than the property's asking price, and so she offered four seventy-five dollars and thought that was reasonable. But the price was a non-starter. Before she could even submit her offer, the seller's agent called her agent and revealed that the seller had already received offers for more than $500,000. She ultimately gave up on the property and never sent in her offer. Undeterred, she moved on to another property. She said was really slapdash and an obvious flip. The home was asking for thirty, and she decided to offer four fifty. Although she did so reluctantly, but someone else apparently did because once again, she lost the bid and never even heard what the final price was. Finally, she found a third property. This one was a condo in a city outside of her original area in Richmond, California, at the northern tip of San Francisco Bay. It was listed for fifty and four hundred and fifty thousand and seemed promising because most lenders wouldn't finance a loan on the property, meaning the competition should have been less fierce. On top of that, the condo was located a short distance from her work, making it even more attractive to her. She ultimately offered four hundred and eighty thousand. She spent a week agonizing without hearing back and then she lost again. She says, I didn't necessarily expect to be accepted, she said, but it's always still a punch in the gut. You do smart imagining yourself in the home and living in the home once you make the offer. So these numbers may not sound wild to battle-hardened observers of the Bay Area housing scene, where some listings have recently sold for as much as $1 million over their asking prices. But they do highlight how not everyone in the region is a tech millionaire and how people with other middle-class lifestyles are being squeezed out entirely. As of today, for example, in Richmond, where this lady was looking, it has a population over 100,000 people. There are only 33 homes for sale. And everyone in that city is less than 500,000, meaning that it could be an area where she can live in. But when you have only 33 homes out of 100,000, it's going to be tough to get into that neighborhood. She goes on to say, I think my experience is pretty common. There's always someone who's offering more. 
basically it sucks. It really sucks. So I, as a real estate agent in this crazy market, which is happening all across the nation, it's tough when you work with buyers and you're trying to help them find a home or buy the home. And I'm happy to write offers. I'm happy to coach people to get there. I'm happy to write several offers. But I know that it deflates people's enthusiasm when they constantly get beat out or lose on a bidding war on a house. And as a real estate agent, you know, how do you coach someone or how do you continue to coach you as home buyers to say, yes, you need to pay $200,000, $300,000, $400,000 over the asking price with no really good data to support that buying decision. It's like this other lady said in the Bay Area as well, the price jump was just too hard of a pill to swallow. So she didn't make an offer. Another one says, I was mystified, confused, because the listing price doesn't have any meaning. It's arbitrary. And I guess that's how we're all feeling right at the moment. Another one went on to say, I didn't know how I'd feel paying over $600,000 or something. I could have bought a year ago for 390000 Adding that she still hasn't found a place where she wants to be and maybe never will. I'm to the point where I'm about to give up. And this is in Austin, Texas of all places. Another lady says, you're just going to have to get creative. You do whatever you have to do. Well, to an extent, I would agree with that. But at the same time, you don't want to make bad and poor buying decisions by getting caught up in the auction mindset. I get it. We want to have a home. We'd like to own a home. We'd like to improve from one home that we're in to another home, but at what price? So what do you do from here? I mean, I read another article. It's an inventory insanity. Notes from exhausted agents on the front lines of a crazy market. They go on to say here, though the real estate market has long been competitive in pockets of the United States, the great thing about America is that there's typically always been somewhere else that's affordable. Drive an hour or two outside of the barrier or out of New York and you could find a deal. It's an idea that was baked into the country's foundational mythology. Now, however, that idea is collapsing in entirely new ways. Thanks to a unique convergence of an underproduction of homes, demographic shifts, and coronavirus pandemic, home price explosion isn't just limited to, to the coast anymore. Instead, there are bidding wars across Minnesota, Connecticut, Florida, Arizona, California. Oh, yeah, in our state, too. State of Washington. Oh, yeah in our county, King County, right? To get a sense of what is going on, Inman reached out to dozens of real estate agents. The takeaway from these conversations is that they're exhausted after writing dozens of offers and doing endless showings. Their clients are disheartened after losing countless bidding wars. Agents are an entrepreneurial bunch and may remain upbeat, and in some cases doing well. But the workload is heavier now than it has ever been. Because at the end of the day, we, we want to be right by our customers. We want them to have the transaction in the home that they've been looking for. And when you're just running from house to house to house and really not helping your client do all the proper due diligence to buy, make a good buying decision, it's frustrating for us as a real estate agent trying to help our client. It goes on to say, too, that the situation is also trickled into other markets. Apartment complexes are filling up with would-be buyers who can't find homes. In other cases, people begin buying mobile homes as they wait for better opportunities. And asked how the real estate community in her area is holding up, she replied that everyone is exhausted. So here's an agent in Maryland. She's currently working with four buyers. One of them just had an offer accepted. Good for her. Good for her buyers. But not before looking for two months and having six or seven previous rejections. In the end, getting a winning offer required looking in a different county waiving contingencies, offering more earnest money, and looking at everything we could 
to seem more competitive. In Austin, Texas, the agent writes, when hey first started in real estate back in 2009, there was something in the neighborhood of 19,000 homes for sale in Austin. This spring, it's closer to 1,000 homes. That's how much of an inventory difference there is there. But the prices continue to increase, but they haven't deferred buyers, deterred buyers. They've seen listings get as many as 150 offers. And one home there fetched $400,000 over its asking price. Austin has only nine days of inventory in the market when a healthy real estate market, where it's an equal balance of buyers and sellers, typically has six months of inventory in the market. So now they're down to nine days in Austin, Texas. Here's another agent that talked about $30,000 over an asking price. It's like a roller coaster, she said. It's really tough. It's a very different market. And it's exhausting working with buyers when they are getting disenchanted too. She wasn't sure when conditions might come down, though she speculated that the current inventory shortfall in her region could linger until the fall or beyond. And on top of all the other challenges, the real estate industry itself is getting more and more crowded, which I talked about in my previous podcast, even here locally. We've already had an increase of 4,000 real estate agents just in our MLS. One agent writes, as long as I've been in real estate, which is now 24 years, I've never seen such a dramatic, noticeable case of the haves and the have-nots. There is no middle class anymore. You're either crushing it or you're struggling. And I would concur with that. Another agent writes from Connecticut, half the battle is educating our clients on how to bid and now telling them they have to block out the norm of trying to get a good deal. After you do that, you're just trying to get your offer in. You're praying that the listing agent is truly presenting all these offers. And that's a hiccup too in our industry. You send offers in and they might get 20, 30, 40, 50 offers. Do we really know if they presented all the offers to the seller? Or they just picked off the four or five that they thought would be best for the seller to look at? By real estate law, here, at least in the state of Washington, they're, they're required to present all offers. It'd be nice if we could hear back from the seller's agent and tell us that they really did look at our offers and this is why they chose the other offers so that we can get back to you, the home buyer, and let you know what took place. All I can suggest to you if you're in the market right now trying to look and find and buy a home is to weigh all your options. Do you give up a non-refundable earnest money deposit? If so, how much? Do you release it to the seller or do you put it in escrow? Do you waive financing as a condition? Do you waive the building inspection as a condition? Or do you do a pre-inspection? If the home has a septic system, how do you handle that? How much more should you pay over the asking price? And how will you pay for that if the appraisal comes in at the asking price or not as high as what you ended up paying for the home? I think in these times, you certainly should have someone in your corner, someone that can help walk you through what the options are and what would be a good decision or not a good decision in your behalf. And I would certainly love to be that option for you as a real estate agent. I would strongly recommend today talking to a real estate agent, having a real estate agent represent you, or have an attorney represent you if you happen to find a home in your neighborhood that maybe you heard was possibly going on the market and you went up to them and talked to them to find out, yes, we're going to put it on the market. Hey, I'll buy it. Then you have to negotiate a price and the terms. How are you going to finance it? Will they do a building inspection for you or will you have to do your own building inspection? I know it's challenging times. I hope these articles are helpful. I, I really don't know what else to share with you here today. But with that said, thanks for listening again. This is Ray Dove 
with real estate keeping it simple i hope you and your family are doing well it's a nice sunny week weekend here in seattle feel free to reach out to me at 425-681-8630 or email me at raydoveremax at gmail.com and you can always visit my website at raydove.com or raydoveseattlebellevuerealestate.com where all my podcasts are on those websites. Thanks again for listening.